Thank you for being back today. Be turning to Luke 24 if you would. Uh, one other person back with us today is Miss Mildred. Good to see her feeling better. And also remember Gary. He's going to be flying out to Pennsylvania here about 4 o'clock. And uh, you're going to go see the, the groundhog or anything like that? Or Okay, going to be a blessing. All right. Pennsylvania will never be the same, huh, Donna Bell? That's right. So uh, it's going to be different. But, uh, buddy, we pray for you. Hope everything will travel safely and be with you there. You ever thought about, you know, last Sunday we left you and we were all excited. Of course, there's, there's reason to be excited because, uh, hey, Jesus is alive. Amen. And uh, we were excited about that. We were glad to, to, to hear that story once again. But, you know, we kind of leave out sometimes about what happened the rest of the day. You ever wonder about, uh, I wonder what happened after that, after Mary Magdalene seen Jesus in the garden. I wonder what happened after Peter ran to the garden tomb. And I wonder what happened the rest of the day. Did they go find Jesus? Uh, did Jesus find them? And I'm glad you asked because it's in Luke 24. And so today we're going to look at this and, and look at uh, about kind of the rest of the story, I guess you'd say. But also the way that Jesus dealt with all kind of different feelings from this. And I know, as I, I prayed earlier, I, I feel like when we came to this building today, and on every Sunday, we come in here with, uh, with all kind of feelings, all kind of uh, conditions of our heart. Some are going through a confusing time in their life. They're trying to, to kind of feel through things, trying to make sure God's got them where he wants them, kind of figuring out God's way. So sometimes can it can be confusing, perplexing. Um, others come in here, sadly, with a discouraged heart this morning. Um, and, and they're discouraged about maybe jobs or maybe they're discouraged about finances or maybe they're discouraged about relationships or discouraged about children. Maybe they're just discouraged in general as you come in this morning. And, and I pray if, if, you're, if your heart is discouraged this morning that you would realize that there's victory in Jesus, that we can, we can, yes, we go through that. I think everybody in here, nobody's above being discouraged. Nobody's above being confused. Uh, maybe some of you come in here with a troubled heart this morning. Maybe something's troubling you. Maybe, maybe there's a decision to make out there in the near future. Or, or, or maybe there's some, some trouble with the, the children. Or, um, you know, just different things as we think about a troubled heart. But I still believe that we can leave here with a joyful heart. Now, there's a difference. We talked about this before. There's a difference between happy and joyful and sometimes we may not be happy on the outside, giggly happy and laughing happy, but inside, when we know that Jesus is there, we know that he's going to help us through those decisions, we know that he's going to be that great shepherd that we so love him to be, that we can leave here with joy down deep in our heart. Kind of like we used to sing when we was little, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. And so we can leave here with that as we, we go from this place today. So let's start this morning. I want you to realize that Christianity is a resurrection religion. Think about that just a minute. What we believe, what we come here every week and talk about, what we study in our word, the, the word Christianity, if you look at that, Christianity is a resurrection religion. Guys, if you take away the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have nothing. We have nothing. It is very important that we realize the importance of that. And if we take away the resurrection, Christianity is destroyed. And so we are here experiencing something. I think Danny said it before, and we've said it. Everybody's kind of said it. That his resurrection turned this whole story into something awesome. It, it could have been just like everybody else. It could have been just like every great other man that came and died 
and his time was over. But isn't it wonderful that we serve a risen Savior today? We serve a Savior that his story goes on. We serve a Savior that is still alive today, interceding, and that's just a big word for sticking up on our behalf before the Father. But when we sin, he stands up for us and says, Father, I've died for that sin, and he covers our sin, and it's, it's, it takes away our sin, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Now, knowing that, knowing about the resurrection, it, it kind of validates some things about what we believe. First of all, it affirms, first of all, that Jesus Christ truly was the Son of God. Now, I know I'm probably probably preaching to the choir here this morning. Y'all say, well, Brother Todd, we know that, duh, you know. But to the world, he had said that, I am the Son of God. And it, it confused a lot of people. It made the Pharisees mad. He said something like, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And boy, they, whoa, boy, that, there was a time when he said that, and son, they got fired up. They wanted him, they, they, the Bible says they were over there just, in our words, they were just plotting to kill him. They just couldn't stand that. This, this old common carpenter's son from Nazareth cannot be the son of God. There's just no way. But I'm telling you, when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, it confirmed that he was truly the son of God. Truly the son of God. Also, it proves, and something very important for us guys, and we don't want to miss this in the, in the rest of the Easter story, it proves for us that the price was paid for sin, was paid exactly right, and now we can have forgiveness from our sins. Because if Jesus Christ doesn't arise, if he doesn't go through all that he went through for us, and God doesn't approve that, then we have no forgiveness for our sins. And guys, we are miserable, and we are bound to a devil's hell without the Lord. And guys, that's really important to know that the work that Jesus did on the cross was perfect. Was perfect. He paid your price and my price on the cross that we can have eternal life. And it also declares this. If he's the firstborn from the risen, if he's the God's son, and he has paid the price, what that does is, you remember when he was praying in the, in the garden, and, and, and Jesus said, Jesus said I, well, it wasn't in the garden, but he, in John, we read a couple weeks ago, and he said, I have glorified you before, and I will glorify you again. He had to go through that time of, of testing on the cross. He had to go through that time of paying the price for our sins. And you remember what happened at that very dark moment when Jesus cried out, Father, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? And Jesus turned his back on him for that moment because he was being flooded and being drenched in the sin that you and I and every man and woman ever born had committed. And he was just drowned in that sin. And God had to turn his back on his own son. But he said, you were glorified. You'll go through that and I will glorify you again. And because of that, Jesus Christ has paid the price to be the one true judge someday. And someday, guys, very soon I believe he's coming back. And he's going to judge this world. And he's, gonna, he's, done, he's done bought that right on Calvary. He has that right. None of us, I have no right, you have no right to judge. We have no right to judge because we are just sinners in the same boat with everybody else. But Jesus Christ, being the perfect sacrifice, being the perfect Lamb of God, 
He has paid the price, and the Father has elevated him and glorified him, and now he will be that perfect judge someday when he comes back to this earth, and nobody will be able to argue his verdict because he is the perfect judge for that job. All this comes from the resurrection. All this is to know this morning. It comes from the resurrection. It's not just he arose, yippee, everything's good, but there's some very solid truths some very solid doctrine that we believe in as, as God's children as we look at these things. It affirms he's the son of God. It proves that the sacrifice was paid for our sin. And it also declares that Jesus Christ is the righteous judge in all things. That's pretty big stuff, isn't it? That's, that's some of the pillars of what we believe as God's people. Some of the pillars of what we believe. Now, here's the thing. Since Satan knows that, He's got some discrediting to do. And it isn't amazing that we read this beautiful story and we, we shout out those pillars we just talked about, what Christ has done for us. And then Satan comes along and says, I'm going to make it all look like a, like a lie. And what bothers me, guys, is a lot of the world's buying into that lie. Now, some of the things that he tried to... He said... I. I couldn't keep him from coming. I tried that all through the Old Testament. If you'll look at the red thread of the gospel, weaved all the way through the Old Testament, he was trying to keep Jesus from being born because he knew that Jesus could be the Savior to all mankind. That didn't work. So he sees he's born. Now he said, I can kill him. And so he, he stuck him on a cross, which he didn't stick him on the cross. God went there of his own power. But the devil's not all-knowing. The devil's not all present like God is, so he don't know everything that God knows. But in his mind, I'm sure he thought, if I can kill him and shut him up, then I can stop this whole mess. Because he knew, because of his sin, you know, one day Satan was in heaven, amen. He was up there, one of the greatest angels ever, and he decided to set his throne above God's. A pride thing. Well, it's always been the downfall of man, hadn't it? Pride. We still deal with pride today. It's the ugliest sin of all. I deserve it. And this world feeds that fire, boy. It feeds that fire. You watch commercials. You watch TV. You look at uh, everybody around you. I deserve to be treated right. And guys, we do. We do deserve to be treated right. But we don't deserve to be treated right at the, at the downfall of someone else. Or we don't deserve to be set above somebody else just because of our social status or where we was born or how much money we've got in our checkbook i've told you many times i am so thankful that when we come together on sunday morning even though i'm just a foot and a half above you we're all the same we're all the same guys we are sinners we are sinners saved by grace i hope most of us in this room are i hope all of us in this room are if you're not you can you can do that before you leave today but guys, it's so important to know that we're all the same. But Satan wanted to stop him. He wanted to shut him up. When he couldn't do that, then he finds out that he's alive. <laughs> Can you imagine the frustration of being Satan? <laughs> can't, you, can't you imagine the frustration of being Satan? You're always wrong. Don't you hate always being wrong? Now, Dana's not in here this morning, so I can say that, but I'm always wrong in that, that situation, all right? But, you know, always wrong, always one step behind, always thinking you got it figured out and you don't. 
Sometimes we're kind of like that in our life. We always feel like we're one step behind. But here's, here's what Satan does. Since he knows these things, and now we know these things, again, he's indeed the Son of God. He's paid the price for our sin. It's been accepted, and he's declared to be judged. Now Satan says, here's what I've got to go. What to do? I've got to come up with some lies. So the first lie he concocts is the disciples stole his body. They came at night and stole his body. Now, there's a, a few things wrong with that. First of all, he was being guarded by some of the greatest Roman guards there were. The tomb was sealed. These were just a ragtag bunch of men, and none of them were big and healthy as far as, you know, being able to overtake a Roman soldier. And there's one other thing that I hadn't thought about till I was reading a little bit more this week. They didn't really believe he's going to rise from the dead. Did they? He told them over and over. But they, they just, it just didn't fit. I mean, let's, let's get to their spot, okay? So many times we get down on Peter because he denied Christ. We get down on the disciples because they don't believe. And we, we go through the same thing. But here we are in, in uh, you know, around, I think it was around oh, 30, 40 A.D., somewhere along in there, 20, 40 A.D. We're sitting there, and we're at the feet of Jesus, listening to him teach on a daily basis. And he says, guys, listen, I'm going to have to go to Jerusalem and die but on the third day, I'm going to come back to life. Yeah, right. Sure, sure. But they could not grasp that, as probably we couldn't. And so, why would they go steal a body for something they didn't believe was going to happen anyway? Would they just go steal it to hold on to? Would you just want a dead person in your house or somewhere close? They didn't really believe. Yeah, they were going to go pay respects. Yeah, they were going to go uh, you know, anoint his body and those kind of things that the women went to do on that first Easter morning there we celebrated last week, but they, they didn't really believe. Another lie that the devil's concocted through the years that Jesus, he swooned on the cross. He, he was in such great pain that he went into a coma. He didn't really die. Guys, listen to me. The, the, the Word of God says he gave up the ghost, he gave up the spirit, and he died. It says those words, D-I-E-D, -E he died. Guys, why in, what in the world in a cold, damp tomb would, would bring him back to life? Why, why would he go into a coma after all that pain? And, and listen, remember what I told you last Sunday, the Roman soldiers were really good at killing and, and they were about to break his legs. See, what they would do is that you had to push up with your legs to stay alive on the cross because you had to push yourself up to get a breath because all this is sinking down like this. And so you would push yourself up. And what they would do, because they wanted to hurry up and get it over with after they'd suffered two, three, four hours, and, you know, they kind of got their, their happiness out of that and them suffering because that was their job, they would go and break their legs with hammers they would break their legs, and that way you couldn't push yourself up anymore and get a breath, and so you would suffocate. But you remember what happened when they come to Jesus? They said there's no need to break his legs. He's already dead. He's already dead. Guys, these were professionals. If they thought you were alive, they would have made sure that you died. Jesus did not go into a coma. He did not swoon. 
Jesus died for you and me. And so the devil's concocted these things, and, and through the years they've kind of grown and got steam, and, and people have used them at different times to believe that Jesus would, who, wasn't who he said he was. But let's go to our word this morning. Think about all of that. Let's go to 24 and verse 5. Verse 5, in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of God must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Now, I'm not sure that they really remember, they really thought he was alive yet, but they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven. That's the disciples that are left. Remember, Judas has, has hung himself. He's hung himself. He's dead. He's no longer with them. So those eleven that remain, to the eleven and to all others, it was, here was who, who it was. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the woman because their words seemed to be like nonsense. They had a perplexed heart. If you look up the word perplexed, confused, puzzled, full of complications. He was dead and now he's alive. He was in the tomb. We've seen him roll the stone shut. He's not there now. They had a perplexed, confused heart as they looked at this. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he wept. He went away, wondering to himself what had happened. You see, Jesus knew that there was hurt, there was broken hearts, and like I said last week, I don't think the tomb was open so Jesus could get out, okay? He's Jesus. He could do what he wants. He's God's son. But the tomb was opened up so that we could start to see more clearly what was going on. The tomb was opened up for us with that perplexed and confused heart, just like these ladies. And here we are 2,000 years later. We can look into that empty tomb this morning, and we can realize something has happened. Something has went on. Something is not the way it should be. And God has allowed that tomb to be opened so that our confused, our perplexed hearts can start to see the truth of who God is. Now, for many of us, we give our heart to Jesus and we, we've seen that truth for many years. But guys, there's still some out there that's never seen the empty tomb the way God wants them to see it. He wants them to see the empty tomb as a way of clearing up all the lies of the devil, as a way of clearing up how much he loves them, as a way of clearing up what is the true way to heaven is through Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ. And he wants them to see that. He wants them to understand that. And so we've got a group of folks, guys, and they're just trying to figure it all out. The first day of week. This is still Sunday. This is still the Lord's Day. This is still that morning that he's resurrected. And they're, they're just going to spend the rest of the day just trying to get a grip on what's truly happened. Remember, this is different, okay? This is different. We don't go 
to funerals, and we don't go to where our loved ones are and, and see them in the casket, and then the next day, they're not in there anymore. They're not in their grave. What we know about death is it's, it's pretty final as far as this world's concerned. We know it's not final in God's eyes, but it's pretty final for us, and it hurts, and it breaks our heart. And so they're trying to deal with all this, this perplexity, this confusion of what is going on for the day. So we leave that scene, and we switch to a couple guys walking down the street, walking down a road called Emmaus. It's about six miles from Jerusalem as they're walking back to the little city they're from. Let's pick it up in 13. Now the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, six, seven miles. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus came up and walked along with them, but they, they were kept from recognizing him. Now, I believe as we look at these men, and you'll read a little bit more, but I believe these men had a discouraged heart. Can you imagine the conversation? One of these guys' name was Cleopas. That's kind of a funny name. Chris, maybe you can name that new baby Cleopas, all right? Got a new great nephew coming. But they were talking, and they're walking along there, and you kind of can fill in the conversation. What in the world happened? They killed Jesus. But, and we've seen it with our own eyes. We've seen it on the cross, but now they're telling us that he's, he's not in the tomb anymore. What, what about that earthly kingdom that he was going to set up? What, what about those things he promised? And they're discouraged. It, it just didn't work out. We were supposed to be over the Romans. We were supposed to be in charge. Christ was going to be our king. And, and, and again, what are they doing? They're looking at everything through earthly eyes. Isn't it a shame that we look at God so many times through our earthly eyes rather than through our spiritual eyes? And we bring God down to who we are and we, we make God little and we try to put him in our box and we try to get him to, to say everything that we want to do is okay and, and all those things. And, and we try to just, we try to bring this mighty, awesome, all-powerful God and we try to bring him down and make him about this high so that we can fully understand God. Guys, I'm telling you this morning, we do not need to know everything about God. That's what makes him God. What we need to do is trust him enough to follow him. And if we trust him enough to follow him, he will not lead us astray. He is the perfect good shepherd. And a good shepherd always leads his sheep to safety. Because I'm telling you, I know about me and you know about you. Sometimes we don't have enough sense to tie our shoes ourselves. But God said, I'll take care of you. I will guide you. I will lead you. I will take you to where you need to go. And these men were very discouraged. Very discouraged. They just couldn't get it all. What is going on? You think somebody stole him? You know, that's the story that they concocted with the king and everything. He paid him money and said, here's what we're going to tell everybody. You stick to it. And all of a sudden, <laughs> it didn't... Isn't it wonderful that in our discouragement, when our heart is broken, when we don't have any answers, here comes Jesus walking along beside of us. Get that, get that picture in your head. 
get the picture in your head that no matter what I face, what I've got to go through, no matter what I'm up against, God said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm right here by you. And man, that gives me joy. That gives you victory in Jesus. Even when you're confused and perplexed, you can have victory in Jesus. Even when you're discouraged, you can have victory in Jesus. Look what they said. Verse 17. He asked them, why are you discussing, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. See the discouragement? They're walking along. He said, what are y'all talking about? They just stop. Today, they probably would have said, are you serious? Do you not know what's happened? One of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And you know, last week I told you, or a couple weeks ago we talked about a rhetorical question. Here's a rhetorical question. Jesus says, it's in red letters, What things? He asked. It's almost a little bit humorous. What what are you talking about? Did Jesus know exactly what? Yeah, he was the one that was in the middle of it all. What things? You see, sometimes God has to let us talk ourselves through our problems. He knows the answer. And down deep, I think we know the answer. But we have to say it out loud sometimes. Sometimes I'm like that if I've got a real bad problem going on and I, I just get to sit down and talk with somebody about it. At the end of that conversation, I go, you know, that didn't sound as bad as it did when I went in there. Just kind of something about saying it out loud. And, and maybe, maybe Jesus is sitting there going, you know, he knows their hearts. He knows everything. He knows what's happening. And he says, what things? Tell me about it. T- tell me what you're hurting about. And they begin to just, just tell Jesus about it. They begin to, to, to walk their way through and talk their way through their discouragement. But all the while, remember, in our discouragement, in their discouragement, Jesus is leading that conversation. He's leading us through that discouragement. Read a little further with me. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word, and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more is the third day since all this took place. In addition to that, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they did not see Jesus. We can't find him. We can't relocate him. This one we put all our hope and trust in. There's just something happened. We don't understand it. We can't. We're confused, we're discouraged, we don't understand what's going on. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things, and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Can you imagine walking through the scriptures with Jesus Christ? Can you imagine what he said to them? He might have took them all the way back to Genesis when it was, when it was prophesied that the seed of the woman will bruise the serpent's head. Talking about Jesus. All the way back in Genesis, guys, it began talking about a Messiah that was going to come. 
and through Abraham. We've seen the picture of the Messiah that would come through Isaac. Abraham's about to drop the knife on his only son that he's waited so long for. And God says, no, stop, stop. And then we see over in the bushes a ram. And God says, take that ram and sacrifice it. An innocent ram that had nothing to do with the story but was just there. A foreshadowing of how Jesus, an innocent man, would, his blood would be shed for our sins and die in our place. That ram died in Isaac's place that day. That was showing you Jesus is coming. And we've seen it through Moses, and we see it through Noah and the ark, and the ark of grace, that everyone that comes into his grace will not perish. Same way today, guys. Put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and you will not perish. He began to unfold the scriptures to him through Daniel, through Joshua, through David. A branch from David will come up and be the Messiah. Isaiah, by his wounds we are healed. Man, can you imagine sitting at Jesus' feet as he walked through all the prophets had said. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. Isn't it something that Jesus will never force his way into your life. Think about it now. Here's what's going on. They're walking along. Jesus is talking to them. They're visiting. And so it's their house. And so they kind of peel off. And Jesus said, okay. And he just kind of continues to move on. Listen to me. Everybody says, well, Christianity's trying to force things on me. They're trying to force beliefs on me. They're trying to make me believe things I don't believe. You know what? Jesus gave you a free will. He did that right up front. You can pick him or you can choose not to follow him. And he's going to tell you the truth. Just like he told these young men, he's going to tell you the truth that Jesus is the only way to heaven. He's going to tell you there's but one way to heaven. It's through him. He's going to tell you he's going to be there for you. He's going to tell you he's going to be your great shepherd. He's going to tell you that I'll be there and take care of your complex heart, your perplexed heart, your discouraged heart. I'll be there for you. But it's your choice. And there comes a time when Jesus says, okay, it's up to you. And he peels off. Here's what he's waiting for you to ask. Look what they ask. Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Do you remember when you invited Jesus to stay with you? You remember that? You know, I was like nine years old. I was in a revival uh, up in Missouri at a town called Herculaneum, Missouri. We were singing a little choir. There was a, a fellow by the name of Brother Red Johnson that toured the whole area. He was from Mountain Home. We sang songs with him, and, and uh, we were singing that little choir there. And it come to invitation time, and I knew that I wanted to ask Jesus to stay with me. I knew that he was true, and I knew that he was real. And even at nine years old, I didn't know a whole lot. But I knew Jesus is what I needed. And I said, Jesus, will you stay with me? Will you stay with me? 
because I know someday evening will come and I want to be ready. I want to be there with you because you can help me. And he did. And today I can see that in my mind like it was last night. And I'm getting a lot older than I was then. But I can still see the day that Jesus stayed with me. And I didn't have to ask him twice. He said, sure, sure. You see what he can do for a discouraged heart. You see what he can do for a troubled heart. You see what he can do for a lost heart. He can give you victory in Jesus. Amen? Amen. Look a little further, guys, real quickly. When he was at the table with them, he took and bread and gave thanks and broke it and began to give it to them. Now, they're just, they're just having a supper at this time, all right? This is it's not the Lord's Supper, but they're just having a supper with the Lord. That'd be pretty good, wouldn't it? They're just having dinner together. Then their eyes were opened. Man. And they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. Boom. He was gone. See, when you have a discouraged heart, what you do is ask God to open your eyes. When they were perplexed and confused, he opened the tomb. When they were discouraged, he opened their eyes. And sometimes we get so discouraged and we get so downtrodden and we get so upset that we forget to see Jesus in the middle of this picture and he makes it all clear again. We realize it's just not about us. It's about him and about a bigger picture that he can take us through and he can help us through those difficult times. I'm not saying we should never get discouraged. I'm not saying we should never go through those times because we will. There's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. We're going to go through those times. But we must realize in those times that he will open our eyes if we'll look. And you know how he opened their eyes? Through this word right here, through this word. He opened their eyes to the Word. When you're discouraged, open the Word. When you're confused, open the Word. When you're troubled, open His Word. When you're lost, open His Word. And it will open your heart. It will open your mind. It will open your eyes to what He wants to do for you. They ask each other, were not our hearts burning within us while He talked with us on the road and opened the Scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and, and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Now, i got a couple more points, but I'm going to stop there. It's a, he's alive. He's alive. Didn't our hearts burn when we was with him? Guys, when we open up his word and we realize the victory that we can have in him, we realize the victory in Jesus, it, it helps us with our discouragement. It helps us with our confusion. It helps us with our troubled hearts. Because only Jesus knows us like he knows us. Guys, I know a lot of you in here. I know some of you more than I know others. But I don't know everything about you. You don't know everything about me. But Jesus does. That's who I want to go to when I'm hurting. 
That's who I want to go to when things are rough. And it's good to have friends, don't get me wrong. You can, you can come with me and others. We can fellowship together. But there is no one alive that can help you through your problems like Jesus Christ. And opening his word. And as you begin to read those pages, maybe some scripture that's so familiar to you, you've read them every day of your life, but your heart begins to burn again. It begins to get excited again. It begins to realize that there is victory, that I can win, that Jesus wins. Jesus wins all through the scripture today. Is shouting out something very big. Jesus won. He won over and over and over. He'd come out of that grave, and he won. He won that victory for you and I. So that no matter what we face in life, he's been through it, he's worked through it, he's lived through it, and he can help you through it. He can help you through it. I heard an old, old story about a Savior who came from glory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. Let's bow together. Where are you at this morning, guys, as we think about this? Are you discouraged this morning? Are you troubled? Are you confused? Are you lost? Brother Todd, I don't, I don't, I don't have that victory of Jesus to go back to. I've never had it. See, that's what's good about being a Christian. You can have that victory and go back to that victory over and over in your life. But if you're sitting here lost this morning, you've never had that victory, we would love to share that with you this morning. We'd love to share with you how to find Jesus as your Savior because, guys, listen to me. I believe all my heart this is the real deal. Jesus is the real deal. Christianity is the real deal. He come out of that grave, that's real. He's wanting to save you, that's real. And he's paid all your price. You don't have to worry about how bad you were, how much you've done wrong, or how many sins you've committed. He's paid the price for all that already. It's already been paid for. All you've got to do is just come up and receive it. Just ask him to come to your life. Maybe you're his this morning, and you're just so discouraged. Life's just been tough lately. And God, if you love me, why is things so hard? God, if you love me, why am I so lonely? Guys, he hasn't stopped. He loves you. Let me encourage you to get back in his word. Let him open your eyes that he's there. Because he's proved himself over and over and over through the word that he never leaves his people. Whatever it is God's dealing with you this morning, you just ask him to help you. And he will. And Father, during this time, just help each one of us to speak to you individually in what we're dealing with, Lord. Please hear our prayers. We thank you for hearing our prayers. And I pray for my friends in this room that are troubled, discouraged, confused, lost. Lord, just help them with all those situations. And you can do that because you've shown that this morning in the scriptures. No matter what these people are going through, you had answers for them. And Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, just bless us now as we take this moment of quiet. Just you and us. In your name we pray.